Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you, as always, for listening. On today's episode, we are going to focus mostly on Napoli's second friendly at Di Mauro, which was against Spal on Monday, and I am joined by a guest to help me out with that. He was at Di Mauro for the first friendly, not the second, but he is certainly no stranger to the podcast. Daniel Bowen, welcome back. Hey, thanks, Joe. Always, always great to be on your show, man. It's always a pleasure to have you on. That's why we have you on so regularly. <laughs> But before we talk about the match, I mentioned that you've been to Di Mauro a number of times. You were there over the weekend, but obviously this was the first time going, well, it was the first time they ever had an event at Di Mauro after Napoli won a Scudetto. How was it different this year compared to the previous years? Uh, it was crazy. Um, there was probably, I would say, four to five times the amount of people Parking got shifted to where it was a pretty long walk to get to the training grounds. The stadium, even for practices, was was packed, unlike in previous years where practices were probably about, I don't know, a third, maybe half full at the most. And even the games, you could tell there was a few empty seats. And the last practice I went to, there was people were waiting in line to get in and what they were doing was if somebody left, then you could come in. (laughs) So that's how crowded it was. The store that they had there for the first time seemed to be something that was satisfactory, I would say, you know, so a lot of the stuff that people wanted to get was there. That training kit that's black was the first thing to go. 
So it was nice to see that. And the town, you know, as normal, great area to be and the views and everything are just incredible. The town itself didn't really do a whole lot when it comes to just, you know, decorations and stuff to celebrate the winning the Scudetta. There was a few banners around and stuff, so that was nice. Tomorrow's always great, man. And then the um, the player presentation that they did, it was um, probably about 5,000 people, and they picked a different area to do it because they needed more room. But to be honest, I expected there to be a little bit more I don't know, emotion behind it, especially coming from the players and stuff, but maybe they've they've just gotten to the point where they're like, okay, let's focus on this year. Last year was great, but we need to focus on what we need to do this year. So maybe that's a good thing to some degree. Yeah, it was nice though, like always. That's really insightful for people on this side of the world that don't get to get out there. I wonder if part of the reason the practices were packed was also because Garcia is a new coach. People are curious to see his training methods, how the team's going to play the system. The shop looked like it was very popular. I saw you posted on social media that you were already wearing the new shirt. Did you get it at the shop at the Mauro or did you, had you already purchased it in advance of going? No, I did get it at the shop in the Mauro. You know, I tried to get it online and... <laughs> The 4XL was the first thing to go, and luckily the shop had, they just had a handful left, so I think I got there just in time to get me a 4XL so that I could actually wear it, because it's still, you know, still skin fits, fits the same as, as last year's, so I got lucky in that sense. I really didn't think they would have any 4XLs, because they, they've never had them before. I've never seen a 4XL in a home kit at a store. It was the first time. Okay, so that's good. Yeah, I, I think they've they've restocked a little bit on on the website, but most of the site it's still like small, medium, maybe the four XL, but nothing really in between. You mentioned sort of the emotion or lack thereof at the player presentation. I also felt like it felt a little bit forced, like when they were holding up the trophy, and it did kind of feel like maybe this is getting a bit not to say that it's old or that we'll get tired of that idea, but I agree. The players are probably already mentally focusing on a new season and and not so much still partying over last season as much as the fans still are. We saw De Laurentiis made a big announcement where he called De Lorenzo to the stage to announce that he had extended his contract. He said 2029. It's actually 2028 with a club option for an additional year till 2029. So that was nice. And I also like that De Laurentiis said that he assured the fans that he basically said, don't listen to the media, we're working for you, which is nice to hear because, you know, the fans are starting to get a little bit restless. We haven't really been, well, we haven't been active at all, really, other than Kim's departure. There's lots of rumors, lots of players we're linked to. We'll talk about some of them in part two a little bit. So it was good to hear that Laurentiis say, listen, and it's one thing that Napoli does probably better than any other club in Serie A, which is you never really know what they're working on. I mean, nobody saw the Garcia appointment coming. Nobody saw the Meluzo appointment coming. So that gives fans maybe a little bit of comfort that just because there aren't things being announced or there's just rumors in the media, that doesn't mean they're not working. Probably the biggest difference that I saw between this retreat at Di Mauro compared to previous years was just the love for ADL, right? Like he was 
suddenly he was people were chanting for him they're asking for his autographs he's helping people get into the stadium for for the training sessions or the matches whereas last year he could hardly show his face a16 was trending people wearing the a16 t-shirts last year actually it was funny because carlo alvino posted a picture of del laurentis with Gennaro esposito holding up a new a16 t-shirt and Above the A16, it said La Seconda Arrivata, and below the A16, it said Punti Dientro di Noi. So, so they twisted it, <laughs> again, typical Napolitano fashion, right, where it said second place has arrived 16 points behind us, which I think is very clever and very funny. So as I said, you were there for the match against Anaune Valdinon, but you left before the spell match. We won't spend too much on the match against Anaune, but just what were your overall thoughts on that match? You know, I'll be honest with you. I was watching a lot of the kids play just because that's one of the things I really love about going to the motto is you get to see some of the youngsters play from the Primavera squad. And, you know, I had remembered that on Twitter or somewhere there on social media, Napoli posted a picture of one of those kids. And I had said something on there and you, you came back and you said, yeah, I don't think he's got really a chance to play in the first team. I just, I didn't know who he was at all, had no clue. And then I saw him play in that first friendly and I've seen him practice. And number one, he's the tallest player I've ever seen on a soccer pitch in person. So that he's tall. He's He's got to be close to seven foot. And then just seeing that he actually is pretty agile and he had a really nice goal in one of the training sessions and he played well. I don't know if he played well enough to have any shot to actually get in the first team, but I was paying attention to him probably more than anybody else. And I always pay attention to the youngsters. So yeah, that was, it was interesting to see how well he played. I don't know if you've been able to see anything, from how he's done in training, but he seems to be one of the players that has played with a lot of the first team players too. And I was just wanting to get your your opinion on him. And if there's if there's anybody else that you've like just from reading and all that that you've noticed that maybe has a chance to get into the first team this year. Sure. So I think the player you're referring to is Coley Sacco, who's an yep. absolute giant. He scored a beautiful goal in that match, a curler with his left foot into the bottom corner. Lorenzo Russo was the player who assisted on the goal, who made a lovely pass there. It'll be interesting. I think I had Sacco as an outside chance to maybe make the team, only because Garcia mm. went on the record and said that he always brings a youth player with his senior team. That's what he did with Maxime Lopez at Marseille, and that kind of was the breakout of his career. Whether Sacco can be that player for Napoli, personally, I think he needs a bit more time playing in the lower divisions. I'd like to see him go to a, on loan to a Serie B club because last season he and Antonio Vergara went on loan to Pro Vercelli, which is a Serie C club. So Serie B would be the natural progression. I was more inclined to think that someone like Michael Foloruncho would be the guy, even though he's not really a youth player anymore because he played with Bari last season, but. Garcia's also talked about needing a, a backup for Angisa and how he likes physical players. So Fuloruncho seemed to fit that mold in terms of his size and, and what he can offer. He has an absolute rocket of a shot as well. We saw him 
test that out against Bell. He he almost scored. He missed the target in the first half. So Saku is one player. What I would say is no one really stands out to me in terms of players who could immediately play on Napoli's first team. But there's a growing pool of Primavera players who have the potential, I think, to play in Serie A. So Foluruncho, there's talks about him potentially going on loan to Empoli. Another player who could go to, who actually is going to Empoli is Elia Caprile, who Napoli purchased kind of quietly from their other club, from body and goal. So I think he, they're setting up Caprile to be the successor to Meret, potentially. But some of the other players, I mean, it was great to see the reunion of Vergara and Ambrosino because they played with the Primavera. They were kind of the top two guys at the Primavera two seasons ago. And then they both went out on loan. Ambrosino went to Como for the first half of last season. Then he went to Cittadella. He didn't play much at all at Como. He played a little bit more at Cittadella. So we'll see where, where Ambrosino ends up. He could be another player that either he goes to another Serie B club or even to a Serie A club. So we'll see what happens there, like one of the lower lower table Serie A clubs. Vergara, the two of them, they combined a couple of times, including on Vergara's goal in that match, which was the second one. I suspect he'll get loaned out as well. And then there's some of the players from the current Primavera team who have potential. Alessandro Spavone, he caught the attention of Garcia, at least according to the papers. He's most likely going to Provercelli as well. So there seems to be this relationship forming between Provercelli and Napoli where they're happy to loan our Primavera players for a season and, and help them develop. We've played them in friendlies too, if I remember right. And, um, you know, mentioned Fotoluncho. I think Fotoluncho, he, uh, I think he played some center back in that first yes, friendly too, if I remember right. right. Was, yeah, it was not his position. I, I suspect the reason for that, even though I, I liked it because he's a big boy and he's certainly mm. built to play in that role. I suspect the reason for that was because that first friendly, none of the what we call the internationals, none of the guys who represented their countries on international duty were available because they had just arrived at the Maru a couple of days prior to the match. They didn't want to risk injury, but that meant that we really only had three center backs, two of whom were Primavera players. So we had Juan Jesus as the senior player. Kim is gone. Ostegard and Rachmani were international players, so they weren't available. And then we had Luigi Davino and Nosa Obaretin as the two Primavera center back so we were just short one and I think that's why Fuluruncho ended up in that position but it was still kind of cool to see you know a couple other players Primavera players we saw I like Matteo Marquisano who plays as the right-sided midfielder in the Primavera's 3-4-2-1 so both Spalletti last summer and Garcia this summer used him as a right back and because I guess because he's normally a midfielder he ends up playing in a very similar style to Di Lorenzo. And maybe he's watching and learning from Di Lorenzo as well. Like He likes to get forward down that right wing. He assisted on Antonio Trophy's goal, even though I don't think Trophy was that great despite scoring. Marquisano looked pretty good. And then Gennaro Iaccarino, another player I like from the Primavera, scored a really nice goal in that match as well. But to me, again, none of these guys are players that I can see being good enough yet to play with the senior team. I think they need to go out on, on loan for a little bit. So we won that match six to one. Um, the, the final goal was scored by Matthias Oliveira. He was one of the three senior players that was in the squad for that match. Mario Rui and Juan Jesus were the other ones. And it was a bit of a 
a funny goal because his initial shot was blocked and then the ball just ricocheted off his face and ended up in the back <laughs> of the goal without him really know what, knowing what was going on. Let's move on to the match against Pau. All the international players returned for that match, so a lot of these Primavera guys went back. Only Sacco and Obaretin, I believe, stayed behind, so they seem to be the front runners to be that that youth player that stays with the squad. The first half of the match was pretty dull, so you know we won't spend too much time on it. I think there were things that Napoli did well in the first half. I thought we controlled the tempo of the match. We dominated the ball. We limited Spal to only a couple of shots, and we blocked both of them. We didn't create too many chances ourselves. Our best chance came about midway through the half. Uh, it was Giovanni Simeone who had the chance. He probably should have scored. He had a free shot from the edge of the air, and he just caught too much of the goal. And the Spal goalkeeper, Alfonso, made the save. That chance was created by Alessandro Zanoli, and he's the first player I want to ask you about, Dan. You know we've been heavily linked to Davide Faraoni of Hellas Verona. From what you've seen from Zanoli in these two friendlies, would you prefer that we keep Zanoli as the backup to Di Lorenzo or still pursue Faraoni? <sighs> That's a good question. I mean, for me, the summer training isn't the only thing to really look at when it comes to Zanoli. I think that last season... His play against Sampdoria, I think for me, proves that that he deserves to get that full opportunity to be Delo's backup. And if that means that we sign Farione and we have two of them, because DiLorenzo, he can be a backup to, you know, one of our center backs if we get into a dire need that we need to do that. He's proved that he can do that and he's played well when he's done that. And I think Farione has the ability to play in other positions too, if I remember correctly. Correct me if I'm wrong. So if we were to sign Farione, but we kept Zanoli still, that to me isn't like a bad move because Zanoli has has potential. He is super fast. He's very good in attack. I saw a goal last year with Samp where he made a crazy move and a pass into the box that was just it was one of the best plays that I've seen as an assist in all of the league last year. So I really want him to get his shot. And I don't think that, you know, you can really make a full evaluation on him with just the motto. I think that he needs the full summer training before Garcia can really make his decision on whether he could be one of the backups or not. So it's certainly not out of the question to have both because Zanoli is a product of Napoli's youth system. And I've mentioned this numerous times, but just for anyone who's new to the pod and isn't aware of how the squad structure works, the way it works is you're allowed to have four Primavera players. So four players that are club grown and four players that are homegrown, meaning coming through any Italian system. And none of them take away positions from the other 17 in the squad. So you have, you have the potential to have 25 players. We often don't because historically we haven't had a good enough Primavera team. But in theory, Zanoli could fill one of those club-grown spots without taking away from the 17. So we could actually get both. And it would work because Faraoni tends to be a right-sided player, but Zanoli can play on both sides, which I think mm. is very useful. You know, We'll talk about Mario Rui's injury, but... It gives you that added bit of security. And you mentioned even if we have 
center back injury, we can always move the Lorenzo there, which then gives you a need for another fullback. So I think Faroni is definitely still in play, but I agree. I think Garcia is still assessing, and that's why he's kind of on standby at the moment. And Zanoli's putting a very strong case together to keep him. You mentioned his pace. That chance that Simeone had started with Zanoli playing a give-and-go with Politano at midfield. And then one thing we've seen him do a few times now, so it's definitely something that he does intentionally, is he'll push the ball way ahead of himself because he knows he's so fast that he can just run past everyone to get to that ball. And, you know, we saw him do that in the announcement match. We saw him do that in the spell match. We saw him do that with Sam last year, as you mentioned. So I don't know. I think Garcia is really going to think about this one. Meanwhile, Faraoni, he's 31 years old, so he's experienced, but he's also a little bit more susceptible to injury. He missed 14 or 15 matches last season, mostly due to a muscular injury that he suffered in November. He didn't return to action until February, and that's with a full month off because of the World Cup last year. So that's a bit of a concern for me, but only a minor concern given that he would only be the backup to Di Lorenzo. We wouldn't be relying on Faraoni to play as a starter. I mentioned Mario Rui's injury. He was forced to leave the match around the 35th minute. The club announced that he suffered an injury to his right thigh. Mario Giuffredi, who is the agent of a number of Napoli players, was at Di Maro this week. And the club announced the extension of Di Lorenzo until 2028, uh, as I said, with a club option until 2029. Giuffredi also represents Mario Rui. And there have been lots of reports that Mario Rui is closing in on extending his contract for an additional year. Then we love Mario Rui for his leadership and especially for his passion. But given this injury, should the club reconsider whether they extend Mario Rui's contract? Man, Joe, you got another good question, man. (laughs) Ooh, (laughs) good questions for this one. So, I mean, like you said, his leadership, he's really the vice captain. I don't think it's a bad decision to extend him for one more year just because of those qualities that he has. But I also think that it's reasonable to question that decision just because it's not like you need to extend him because you're going to sell him and get something for him. Nobody's going to pay a good amount of money. So are you extending him just to show some respect towards him? I'm okay with that too. But I I definitely don't think that he should be relied upon as being, you know, even at this point, I hate to say this man because I know everybody loves him. I don't think he should be our first option at left back either. So if he's being extended and that's the idea that he's could be the first option at left back, then that's something that, that I would question a little bit, to be honest. Yeah, as I was preparing for the pod, I, 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 you feel guilty saying it, right? Like I can tell even you were hesitant to suggest that we shouldn't keep him. And, and I felt the same way, but he's 32 years old. His current contract expires in 2025. So he'll be 34 by the end of his contract. He already missed eight or nine matches at the end of last season due to injury. And, you know, I love Mario Rui, but for a player who's required to do a lot of running the way we want our fullbacks to play, I'm not so sure extending him beyond 2025 is such a wise decision. I I agree with you. I think maybe he remains the preferred option this season because, you know, he can probably still do it. He's in good shape. But I think we'll slowly see Matthias Oliveira take over as the starter. If it doesn't happen this season, then it probably happens next season. 
So maybe it just comes down to the price, right? Like if he's willing to take a relatively low salary, then he's still a great guy to have around in the locker room to put some fire under people's butts. But, you know, we'll have to see how this progresses, especially with this latest injury. Okay, that will do for part one. In part two, we'll talk about the second half against Spal, and then we'll talk a little bit about my two biggest concerns with Napoli at the moment. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to part two of the Fortsanopoly podcast. If you like the show, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash Fortsanopoly pod. It's entirely voluntary. There are no set tiers, but it does help us to continue to produce content both on the podcast and on our website at fartsanapolipress.com. All right, so let's talk about the second half, which was definitely the more interesting half of the match, at least in terms of talking points. Garcia fielded his A-team in the second half. We saw Rachmani, Di Lorenzo, Anguisa, Lobotka, Zielinski, Cavada, Osimen, and Raspadori all come on in the second half. Let's start with Raspadori. We've seen Garcia testing him out at right wing in training, and he played him there against Spal. Dan, what did you make of Raspadori's play, and do you think he could be a legitimate option at right wing? Oh, man, Joe, absolutely. So just watching him in training... And in that second half of that game and just seeing what he offers an attack on that side, which we had almost nothing last year. Whew, man, I hope that Garcia keeps doing that. And he gives that a really good look at him being our right winger. For me, man, Raspadori needs to be a full-time starter somewhere on that pitch. He's got way too much to offer not to be somewhere on that pitch as a full-time starter. And if you think about all the positions that we have, that's really the only position where you can say he could be the starter, especially if Zelensky ends up renewing his contract. That's the only spot for him. So I'll be honest, there's a lot of drama right now going on with Lozano and what's going to end up happening with him. And one of the things that I'm seeing is that he might be frozen out. Like he might be forced to sit in the stands or something like that. So, and then Politano, you know, Politano is, is a great sub in my opinion, but he's just not good enough to be that right winging starter. So I'm hoping that Garcia sticks with that and sees how that turns out by the end of, you know, Castle Sangro. And, and maybe he is, our full-time starter at the right wing. And I think it would make a huge difference in our attack overall if that's the case. Yeah, the Lozano situation is interesting. He could well be the Arkadush Malik of this season, right? Where, you know, he's getting offers, but it seems like he wants to stay in Europe. He doesn't want to go to Saudi. He doesn't want to go to MLS. I mean, I guess that's almost, obviously you want to play in the Champions League, but it kind of work is working against us right now because it kind of feels like unless an offer comes from a club who is also playing in the Champions League, 
there's little incentive for him to leave. And then you start talking about freezing him out. Politano had a bit of drama around him as well. He, I think he came out and made some comments about how he wants to play more. And then his agent, who also happens to be Giuffredi, kind of retracted those comments on his client's behalf and I guess tried to smooth things over. I agree. I think Politano is a very good second option, especially when we're playing in multiple competitions. But I think we can still do with upgrading at that position or, you know, Raspadori is sort of your built-in upgrade if Lozano stays and we don't want to be paying for another player, let's say. One of the distinct features of Garcia's attack that I've spoken about previously on the podcast is that he likes his wingers to drift in towards the middle of the park and that frees up space on the wings for the fullbacks to get forward. And I think that tactic is really well suited to Raspadori's game because it kind of allows him to play both as a winger and as a number 10, and he's capable of shooting with both feet. He had probably more shots. I mean, they don't keep official stats for these friendly matches, but I think by my count, at least, he had more shot attempts than any other player on the pitch, and most of the time it was with his left foot. And the only other way you can get him into the system is if you're not playing a 4-3-3, and if you switch to like a 4-2-3-1, then you can play Raspadori as a number 10. So this way, it kind of combines all of that into one sort of tactic he did come close to scoring on a couple of occasions about midway through the second half he had a a decent effort stopped by Alfonso and then Alfonso followed him again around the 73rd minute so all in all I like what I've seen from Raspadori let's move on to the Spal goal in the 63rd minute Filippo Puleto who is actually Spal's Primavera number 10 I believe he caught Alex Meret sleeping and chipped him from midfield. Then I'm sure the Alex Meret haters will overreact to this goal. But once again, it does plant a bit of a seed of doubt in our minds as to whether Meret is the right man for the job. Should we just push that aside as just whatever it, you know things happen in summer training and not worry too much about it? Or do we need to start worrying about Meret again? For me personally... I don't think it makes a difference whatsoever. For Merit, let's hope it doesn't. <laughs> so like, let's just hope that that specific play doesn't affect him mentally at all. I think that the, the naysayers are going to be so far and few between that they won't have a huge impact on, on his mental stability. But, uh, you know if you could think of any player at that position that might be affected by something like that at all mentally, unfortunately he is a player where you feel like that could be a problem. I don't think it should be. I don't think it will be, but I do understand how maybe somebody might be concerned a little bit. Yeah. That's the thing with Medet. It's always the mental side of the game that we're a little bit concerned about. I think if there's anything to be positive about, I guess you can say is that, he didn't have any lingering effects after he conceded a weak goal against Bologna last season. I think some people are a little bit worried about the fact that Kim is gone because obviously we had such a great defense last season that that takes a lot of pressure off the goalkeeper. So we'll have to see who they bring in. It seems like I was joking around that we've been linked to so many center backs that the media just ran out of names. So they went back to the top of the list and now we're linked to Danzo again. Um, but you know, we'll see, we'll see who they can bring in. I think that'll be really important. I also feel a little bit better knowing that we have Golini behind Medet, just in case he had 
just a complete mental breakdown and we had to switch. I'm a lot more confident in Lolini being the goalkeeper than someone like Sidigu last season. So we'll see how, how that plays out. The other thing that concerns me is whether Garcia wants his goalkeeper to play with his feet, because I think Spalletti was very wise to kind of remove that from our game altogether, passing back to the goalkeeper, recognizing that wasn't Medet's strong suit. So I'm interested to see, you know, historically Garcia's goalkeepers have played with their feet. So I'm interested to see if he asks Medet to do more of that, which could be a bit of a risk. But right now I'm not particularly worried about the goalkeeper situation. You know, Joe, having Golini stay with the club, I think is a huge deal for just our goalkeeping in general, knowing that we do have somebody that that is a top-notch goalkeeper as a backup, number one. But, man, it's his attitude and his emotion behind everything, and that makes a difference in the locker room. And then the other thing that, like, having a player like him to back up your starter is that Medit's going to have to always have in the back of his mind, hey, man, i got to stay focused. Because at any given point, if I'm not performing up to what I need to be performing to to defend this Scudetto, that dude behind me can play. You know what I mean? And he's young. He's not old like Sidigu was. He's a damn good goalkeeper. And I was so glad when it was announced that he was uh, staying with the club. So that's a big deal for me. Yeah, though I do wonder if that could, again, going back to Medet's, psychology if if that might affect his game kind of like when we had Ospina right where does that affect him because he's worried about the guy behind them stealing his job but yeah I'm also super happy that we renewed Golini even if it's just again we talked about Mario Rui kind of transitioning into a, a sort of leadership locker room type of guy Golini has become one of those guys where he's a motivator he knows his role so he's not you know obviously he wants to play more but that's not something that he's going to be dramatic about, I guess you could say, where I think after his experience at Fiorentina and fans were making fun of him, it really affected him psychologically. And now he's in a really happy place. You know, we saw him, he rapped a little bit at one of the fan events at the model kind of, he didn't, I don't think he wanted to, but they asked him to. So he did, you know, he is a rapper sort of on the side as a hobby. And, and he did talk about how, Napoli as a city is such a great fit for him because he's an artist and there are so many artists in Napoli, whether it's, you know, sculptors or painters or musicians or whatnot. So it it seems like he's in a really happy place. And I think that can only be good for the club. Back to the match. Fortunately, we equalized about 10 minutes after we conceded that goal. Cavada played the ball to Zielinski on the left wing. He cut it back into the area. Osiman dummied the ball to Angisa and he side-footed a powerful shot into the back of the goal. And then it really started to pour after that, which made the playing conditions really difficult. We had a ton of chances in the second half. I mentioned Raspadori, Cavada smashed the bar, Osiman had a couple of chances, but it ended up finishing 1-1. Sort of a similar question to the Meret one, and I think I know the answer anyways, but then from what you saw, is there any reason to be concerned about this result? No, not for me at all, man. They just now got together just the last few days. And you did see some things that still showed you that that we've got quality and everything. So I'm not worried about it at all. I think that they're going to have an opportunity in Casa de Sangre to redeem themselves 
they have a bunch of friendlies against international teams and none of them are great teams, but you know, it's still a good amount of actual scrimmages to get them ready for the beginning of the season. So I'm not concerned at all, man. I would be concerned a little bit like if Victor walked off the field, off the pitch and you, and you saw that he was at all upset about their performance, that would have been one thing that would have concerned me a little bit, but he didn't seem to be bothered one iota. And, you know, I'm not concerned at all, man. We'll be fine. Absolutely. I completely agree. If anything, Victor's body language has been the exact opposite. He's been really happy in training, lots of smiling, fooling around, but still super competitive. Like there was there was one incident after one of the uh, training matches where they, you know, they split up the team inter-squad match and Osimhen's team won and he was celebrating like he had just won the Champions League. Yeah. And then that really pissed off Mario Rui. So he got pissed off, which is great to see <laughs> as well because yeah. you know, we talked about that passion. And then Osimen saw Mario Rui was upset and he went back and picked him up and carried him on his shoulders and they were all laughing. So, you know, the vibe at training has been incredible. And so, you know, a result like this, it means absolutely nothing. Like these matches are not about results. They're about getting players back to full fitness. It's about testing players out in different roles. Again, yeah. Rastodi on the right wing. We got to see... As you mentioned, the youth players. One player who I want to quickly talk about is Nosa Obaretin because Sal asked me about him on Twitter. So I'll just take a quick second to talk about him. To be perfectly honest, he wasn't a standout player for me last season. I thought he was good, but not great. But granted, Napoli's Primavera were not very good last season. So that didn't help the defenders. They had a, a difficult season just because they were peppered with shots. But I think he's been pretty impressive at the model. He's big. He's physically imposing. He had a great slide tackle in the Anauna match. He has good reads so far. Garcia, again, you know, he talked about keeping the youth players, or at least one of them. So maybe Oberetin could be that player as well. Personally, I think the best place for him is back with the Primavera for another season because that would effectively make him our fifth center back. The nice thing about the Primavera is you can call those players up to the first team anytime you want. So mm-hmm. if we had an injury, say to a guy like Juan Jesus, who's getting older as well, that would be like a bit of an insurance policy. We have Di Lorenzo as mm-hmm. an option, but we also have Oberettin who we could call up into the squad to just fill that hole in case, you know, something really bad happens and all a whole bunch of guys go down injured. So, you know, we'll the sp- one thing I noticed from him in that spall game is uh, in the second half, I noticed that he looked comfortable. He didn't look rattled at any given time, and that's a good sign. I mean, you might have you might have a good point with that guy. Maybe he is the one, and the fact that, you know, we need center back depth and in young positions. I mean, Juan Jesus is, is pretty old. Rachmani is not young anymore, and, you know, we need to sign another center back. So having that option – like you were saying, to pull somebody up from Primavera just so that we have got it. We've got somebody on the bench that could be an emergency, you know, sub in a game. That that's a good point, man. Yeah, exactly. And then you keep him down there so he continues to play on a regular basis and yeah. and continues to develop. We'll see. Actually, it looks like they're changing the coach. Uh, I think Frustalupi is out, so we'll see how that affects the system as well because. What I would really like to see, I can't remember who we had lined up as the next coach for the Primavera. I can't remember his name. It's, it's the U18 coach that's being promoted because 
now that Napoli is not in Primavera Uno, there's no obligation to have a U18 team. So we're probably going to abandon that team for this season and promote that coach. What I would like to see is for that coach to play with a back four because that's better suited and matches what the senior team is playing. And that was the only thing I didn't like about Frustalupi, who I, I loved as a coach. But, I mean, he probably just played the system that worked best for the players he had you know, with him. But it just didn't make sense to me that our Prima Veda played with a back three when the senior team played with a back four. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not concerned about the result. One thing that does concern me a little bit is the injuries. You know, we talked about Mario Rui getting hurt. Lobotka was replaced by Koli Sacco late in the match, but from what I've read, it's nothing serious, and he was just removed for precautionary reasons. I think a similar thing happened with Juan Jesus because he left training early during one of the training sessions, but he was back in the squad for for this match. And with Francesco Sinati leaving, who I think was a big reason why we didn't have many injuries last season, that concern is sort of at the back of my mind, so that's another thing we'll have to keep our eyes on. And then the other thing that's been a, a big topic that concerns me, and we'll close with this, is the risk that PSG sell Kylian Mbappe to Al-Hilal. They, apparently, they've made an offer of 300 million euros for him, and they just want Mbappe for one season, knowing that he's basically committed to going to Real Madrid next season. If that happens, then PSG really can make that indecent proposal that that Laurentiis has been talking about for Victor Osimen. Are you worried that Osimen could end up at all at PSG next season? Uh not really, Joe. I mean I saw the news about Mbappe too and I know that it's been, you know, a common thing for things to be out there on social media that if PSG ends up selling Mbappe that Victor's going to be one of the first players they go for. I don't think Osimhen himself, I don't think he wants to go to play in France. He wants to go to the Premier League. And I think PSG understands that. And if they buy him, knowing that at any given time, he's going to want to try to force his way out to the Premier League because that's his goal, I would think that they would be trying to push for somebody else like Valovic at, at Juve. Because you don't want to sign a player that you know doesn't really want to be there when it comes to going to a club of PSG's caliber, right? So that's the one thing that doesn't make me concerned about it too much. The concern is, is that if Laudinthus gets that offer, then at this point, you know, what is he going to do with Victor? Is he going to try to force him to leave and not want to renew his contract? That's the only little concern I have, but I I also think that even though ADL has said that if he gets a ridiculous offer that he's going to consider it, man, I think ADL has transitioned into being an owner that wants to win multiple trophies. I sincerely believe that now. And if he sells Victor, that's out the window. You know, winning – Back-to-back Scudetti is not going to be in the cards anymore, at least realistically, in my opinion. So I don't think he's going to even do that. I think he'll extend Victor, and he'll wait until next summer, and he knows he's still going to cash in on him. What's giving me the most comfort, at least so far, is that it seems like Mbappe just doesn't want to play in Saudi. So 
as long as that doesn't happen, then I think we're probably safe. With Osiman, I think he's kind of always maintained that similar to what Koulibaly used to always say, like he'll he'll do what's best for the club. So that makes me think that he's not gonna fight ADL if if ADL gets a two hundred million euro offer, for example, he might agree to go to PSG, assuming they can negotiate something with him there. But I think you're right. I think it would be on the presumption that his goal is to go to the Premier League, so it'd be a short-term thing. At that fan event, De Laurentiis mentioned that he'll make another announcement on the 12th of August. There was another event, or maybe it was at one of the training sessions, where someone asked Garcia what his goal for the season was, and he said, I'll let you know on August the 12th. So all of this is making me wonder if the 12th is kind of the deadline that they've set where the club is saying if that indecent offer doesn't arrive by the 12th, then Osiman is staying. And I think they're more leaning towards that being the likely outcome because don't forget, if we were to sell him, we still then have to go find a replacement. So with the season starting in August, that's not a whole lot of time to go buy someone. So for me, I think my suspicion is the announcement on the 12th is that Osiman has renewed or is at least is staying with Napoli for you know, until the end of his contract or for this season, and they'll continue negotiating. But we'll have to see again. There's there's a lot of things up in the air at the moment. It would be nice to see us sort of make some moves just to put the fans at ease. But at the same time, I think everyone needs to just be patient. I had a tweet that got a lot of reactions because I said I wasn't stressing and that fans should just go back and watch one of our training sessions. And, and you'll see that we already have a very strong squad. So Yes, Milan's making a ton of moves and they're having a great market, but that's because they had to do that. They finished 20 points behind us in the table. And I'm not suggesting that we be complacent. We do still have to replace Kim. We want to improve our right wing. We want to add depth to the midfield. We have to replace Ndombele as well, maybe ship out them and bring in a better player. But I'm not stressing just yet. Maybe, you know, in a couple weeks' time, if we're in the exact same, same situation, then I'll start to worry a little bit. But for now, keeping guys like Osimen, Kavara, and Zelinski, that's just as good as, if not better, than going out and signing a big-name player who may or may not work out. The other thing, too, is is it, we got a new coach, man. Garcia needs to see what he's got with his tactics and make his input to the club on what players he needs to include, like, not just positions, but the different qualities that players have. So to make a hasty signing, you know, would could backfire. And like you said, I am I'm not worried at all either. I think that we do need a replacement for Kim. But I'm also letting Garcia make his evaluation, number one. The other thing is Ostigard isn't a scrub. Ostigard needs to be evaluated too so that Garcia can see what he has in him. And from what I've seen in Ostigard in training, he looks very motivated. He looks like he's playing good, you know. So I'm not saying Ostigard needs to be our starter, but what I am saying is that Garcia needs to have time to evaluate all of his players to figure out what he wants to include what kind of qualities he's looking for, you know what I mean? Absolutely. That's a, another great point. He, I mean, he's only been with the team since the start of the model, which is like two weeks. So yeah, he definitely needs time to assess his squad. And then he'll work with Meluzo and Micheli and the rest of the team to ensure that the right pieces are in place. 
Dan, that is all we have time for today, but thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Oh, no doubt, Joe. Thank you for, for having me again. I, I love being on your show as always. You can find Dan on Twitter at Napoli Debo. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fisket D5, and you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Patreon at Forza Napoli Pod. I will be back in about a week's time to review Napoli's next friendly, which is against Turkish club Hatay Spor on the 29th of August. But until then, I'm Joe Fischetti. Forza Napoli sempre. Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.